Lives. On today's show, we will have Bishop Don Hetler in the studio for the first time. He's going to come in and talk to us about the transfiguration of Jesus, which is this Sunday. Um, Bishop Kettler was the Bishop of St. Cloud, yes. Um, Minnesota. Minnesota, where Dr. Bergwald's from. And uh, he retired recently and moved back to Sioux Falls. So we're super happy to have him in on the first, for the first time here. So first we have some biblical bites with Dr. B. I've been gone for a while, so I haven't seen it's Bird true. Bird it's true. He was gone. Then I was gone. Oh yeah. It's like a, oh yeah. Month, like See, the, the Minnesotan there came out. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, it has been a while since. Yeah. So it's good to see you, Renee. Nice to see you. Um, nice to be seen. Bishop. <laughs> Bishop. So you mentioned, so this Sunday, normally this, I, I was, you wouldn't have, if I would have said, Renee, what's, what's today? You would have said the Sunday. Sunday, I think, isn't it? 15th or 16th in theory of ordinary time. You, uh, what? I know it's the transfiguration, but like I would have ordinarily said, if I oh, didn't know that, oh, I would have said, 18th. oh, well, it's like the, the 18th, 16th, Sunday yeah. or 18th Sunday, 18th Sunday, but the transfiguration trumps the 18th Sunday right. in ordinary time. Right. Okay. You, okay. That's what yeah, I Yeah. Mean. I was saying like, if I didn't know, if what you I didn't was, know, yeah. but you did know. Uh, so Bishop <laughs> Kettler, <laughs> Bishop Kettler, you know, uh, his time in St. Cloud, Minnesota, it was sort of like going up the mountain of the transfiguration with Jesus. Oh. And then, but then he had to come back down. <laughs> Life. <laughs> no, no, I'm wow. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I have, I think this is true. Well, almost. Um, I have, I have almost been in South Dakota longer than I was in my home state of Minnesota. Isn't that funny when that happens? Yeah. It's like yeah. I was thinking the other day, I've lived in Sioux Falls longer than I've lived any place else. Yeah. So Sioux Falls, def- that's, def- that's true for me. I've mm-hmm. definitely lived in Sioux Falls longer than I lived anywhere else. Right. In, uh, the house I grew up in yeah. and so on. Almost or this combined. town I grew up in yeah. even. No, not combined. Right. I'm older than that. <laughs> so anyway, we're not here to talk about our, our lives growing Apparently up or are. anything. Uh, transfiguration. What I want to focus on um, is actually the second reading okay. from Mass for the Transfiguration. So uh, we get Matthew's account in the Gospel of the Transfiguration. I want to focus on, I'm, I, I was struck by, when I was looking over the readings, struck by the second reading, which is from s- the second letter of St. Peter. So, of course, oh, okay. St. Peter is one of the guys yep. who went up the mountain yep. with Jesus, one of Peter, the three James apostles, Peter, yep. James, and John's. Peter, James, and John <laughs> went up the um, mountain with with Jesus. So this is what he writes in his second letter. This is uh, chapter one, verses 16 through 19. Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received honor and glory from God, the father with that unique, when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my beloved son. This is my son, my beloved with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So before you start... Usually a second reading doesn't really connect to anything. Right. It totally does. We talk about all that all the time. Yeah. But in this case, the second reading absolutely connects. Mm -hmm. So St. Peter, um, and this is, oh boy. Uh, I'm trying, so Peter's letters and John's letters. So the the letters of the two apostles who are, and Jude, uh, it's a very short letter of Jude. The the apostles who lived, part of Jesus' public ministry, um, 
so Peter and John were on the mountain. Right. I, I don't think John speaks about the transfiguration. This is this oh. is one of the most interesting times when we have um, one of the New Testament authors literally offering commentary on something that we read about in the Gospels. Oh, right. Yeah. So Peter's Peter's not Peter's not commenting on Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Right, because it didn't exist. Right, yeah. But he's speaking about yeah. the same thing right. that they wrote about when they described the transfiguration. Right. So just things I want to emphasize. The way he starts off, Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. So just a lot of people have said this, but it still needs to be, it still, need, it still bears repeating because too many people... Don't recognize it. Christianity is not a myth. Right. Jesus Christ is not a figure from a fairy tale Mm -hmm. um, of a nice story that some people tell their children. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ was and is real and alive. And the events that we read about, like the trans in the gospels, like the transfiguration, actually happened in history. Right. To be Christian is not to follow cleverly devised myths. Right. And Peter goes on, we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. So, And John does do the same thing in, in his letters. Here, Peter emphasizes, no, I'm telling you, I'm writing to you, telling you about things that I saw, and in mm-hmm. this case, that I heard. Mm-hmm. Together with James and John, I heard the father say, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We heard the voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. What we follow as Christians, what we believe in is something that really happened. I think you've heard me probably before, Renee, you refer to this question that um, I came across years ago. Do I really believe that what I believe is really real? Yeah. The transfiguration is not just some nice story that we tell ourselves for mm-hmm. some reason because father said so or bishop said so <laughs> or pope said so or sister said so. No, it's telling us. It's it's a narration. It's a telling of a historical event. Jesus Christ went on that mountain with Peter, James, and John. This stuff really happened. Yep. Not a myth at all. Not a myth. Thanks, Dr. V. You bet. Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. In the studio with me today, I have Bishop Don Kettler. He is a retired bishop, uh, was the bishop at St. Cloud Diocese and Fairbanks, Alaska Diocese. His home is here. He grew up here. So uh, we wanted Bishop Kettler to come in. Um, we're going to do, we're going to actually do two episodes with him. This one, we're going to talk about the Transfiguration, which will be the Sunday this is running. And then we're going to have him also do a second episode on his call to the and what it was like to be a bishop, uh, and what it's like still, because we still, you know, we still hound him a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, so we're going to start. Thank you, Bishop Keller, for coming. Happy in. to be here. I really appreciate it. So you decided to retire in Sioux Falls, so we get to drag you in once in a while and and enjoy your um, experience and your uh, your thoughts about uh, faith and so on. So I asked you to come in and talk about the transfiguration. And you agreed. Sure. So. <laughs> Remember that I, I that I I'm not a great scripture scholar, so oh, you're well, not you're okay. not going to get that, that kind of thing. But I that's, that's but I was kind for, of right? a good pastor <laughs> yeah. for a long time, both as a priest and as a bishop. And yeah. so I'd like to share some thoughts about that. Yeah. Yeah. Through this. Good. So let's start with. Um, I mean, we've all heard the the gospel stories, but 
uh, or the gospel um, gospels on this particular uh, time. So what is the transfiguration? Let's start there. To me, it was always an event that took place at a place where I visited a few times. Oh, okay. I've celebrated mass there in, in the church. I've celebrated mass outside where where the uh, transfiguration might have taken place. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I always thought how good it was for Jesus and the Father to want to do this transfiguration uh-huh. of Jesus because it wasn't long after that that Jesus was going to end up being arrested, crucified, killed on the cross. Right. And so uh, how that helped, I think it helped Jesus himself some, but also yeah. how the message of all of that yeah. for the crucifixion and the resurrection, how important it was for that. Yeah. So I guess that's been my focus of that, that yeah. celebration, yeah. and I'm glad that we can regularly celebrate that in our liturgies. Yeah. And, of course, this is the time when Jesus takes three of the apostles— up to um, Caesarea Philippi. And so first I want to start with, why did he only bring three? Why didn't he bring all 12? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, what was it? It wasn't too long before that, that Peter himself had declared that when he was asked, who do you say that I am, Peter? Peter said back to uh, Jesus, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and so that event might have had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, there were just the three of them, and they, he took them up to pray. Jesus took them up the mountain or the hill. It's, a, it's more of a hill, hill. than a mountain <laughs> uh, just, just to pray. And mm-hmm. so uh, um, that's the way it happened. Although it's interesting that at the, at the uh, resurrection on Easter Sunday, two of those three were the first ones after Mary Magdalene to, right. to see that Jesus was risen. The two of them went to the tomb, Peter and and John, right. and then the other one, James. So, but I guess it just happened. I suppose maybe maybe they were a little bit more favored by Jesus. Maybe he spent more time right. with them. I don't know. Or maybe they. Um, I wonder if they, if Jesus had a sense that they were understanding things more or could um, handle seeing the transfiguration, because this had to be uh, quite astounding sure, to sure. see. Um, okay, so did he choose the timing of the transfiguration for a specific reason, do you think? Or do you know? I don't know for sure. Okay. I know that he went up the mountain, and we're told he went up the mountain to pray. Mm-hmm. And so I think he was probably doing that because it was important for him to pray yes, to the Father. Yes, he did that a lot. And he did it a lot, and he brought those apostles with him. You know, how did, I'm sure that he is aware that something might oh, happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think that. Uh, and so then the transfiguration happened as part of that prayer time that the four of them had. Right. And like you said, it, this was not too long before he was arrested and crucified. So I imagine he felt like, well, we probably better make sure these guys understand who I am. Yep, because he knew that they would, you know, well, you, we saw in them some concern and questions when those yes. things did happen. Yes. And so uh, we're, 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 I'm glad that we had the transfiguration because it probably did give them at least enough of a boost to really help their faith. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um 
you know why they did it at Caesarea Philippi? Because I've heard that some theories, um, and I'm sure you probably preached on this several times. So why there? Well, you know, I think more it had to do with the the, the hill, the mountain, okay. where you know that that they were they were up at. Was it a deserted place? Is that like at that time? Would it have no, been? No, I no? think it was a crossroads for for a number of different peoples, and that's why I think people would travel from north and south, mm-hmm. and east and west, and by there. Okay. So I think it was kind of a, a, a interesting place. Okay. But of course, going up the hill or the mountain was so that they could be by themselves. Sure. No doubt about sure. that. And this was a. How should I, is it, it was more of a pagan place, correct? Is that right? Because there so, was, there was some statues or something. There were, there, there was, yeah, there was some sacrificial things in the, before even uh, in the Old Testament times, or maybe even before that okay. uh, on that mountain. Okay. Many religions have wanted to go up, go up higher yes. because <laughs> that would show them that they were closer to God right. by being up up higher, right? And so um, I'm sure other religions probably did that for the same reason. Yeah. And do you think that maybe he did use that place to kind of um, show that he was God and not the pagan gods that were kind of there? Sometimes? We we think that that's that yeah. that was p- part of the reason what why Jesus did that. And he did that often uh, with different things. I I feel like like well actually the church continues to do that to kind of. Uh, incorporate or that's not the right, right word what we're doing when he's kind of uh, commandeer in a way <laughs> um, pagan things and Christianize them so it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus did that religion is a relational thing yes and yeah. so uh, people from early on wanted to be able to relate to their idea of God yeah and so that that happened yeah and, and so that's a that's a That's good a, way to explain a that. A concern that I have today is the fact that so many people don't seem to be interested in God. Right, yeah. And so they're going to lose that relationship that's been so important and so needed today, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay, we have the three apostles up there, Peter, James, and John. What do you think's going through their mind as Jesus is being transfigured in front of them? Probably saying, "Oh no, not what is this? What's going on here?" You know, <laughs> yeah. they would have been surprised. Um, I, I think they would have uh, been appreciative okay. of the fact that that God and Jesus, the Father and Jesus, would do something in their midst to, to help their faith. Mm-hmm. So I think they would appreciate and be grateful for this event. Right. Um, I'm sure they probably didn't know, really have that great of understanding of what all this meant. I'm sure they went back home or wherever they were going and said, just what happened here? Yeah. And then they talked about it. And it's actually, well, look, at this is thousands of years later, and we are still, still talking, talking about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, if you just joined us, we're talking to uh, Bishop Donald Kettler about the transfiguration of so why were why was Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah? I've always found that uh, whenever I hear this gospel reading, it's like why why not just transfigure in front? Why were Moses and Elijah brought in? 
Jesus, the Father, the the gospel writers, this the three synoptic writers mm-hmm. especially, all wanted to um, connect Jesus as the Messiah with all that God had been doing in saving the people over the okay. centuries. Mm-hmm. And so obviously Moses representing the law of the uh, Jewish people, all the laws, the commandments, um, those things reflected primarily or in a strong way in the book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah, so so Moses re, re, would, would bring the whole issue and the background and the direction of the laws of the Jewish people mm-hmm. and the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. And then Elijah would bring was one of the great prophets, right. and he would bring the prophetic message that had been going on forever and ever. And then through the transfiguration, it was shown that Jesus, who was transfigured and therefore took on all these qualities of God mm-hmm. that we would think God would be like, right. I guess, uh, so that to show that Jesus was not only the fulfillment of the um, uh, law and the prophets, mm-hmm. but actually took it even further. Yeah. He made it even even a bigger deal right. than it had been through the centuries before that. Yeah, and I can't even imagine. Um, you mentioned, you know, what we might think God would look like. I don't even know if I could like put into words what I think God would look like. You know, like uh, they they describe it as um, uh, he became dazzling uh, and like the white. sun, right? And then his his garments were white as light. Yep, and I mean, just trying to imagine what the apostles saw there is really, I think, difficult to just imagine. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, okay, so right at that point, then the apostles, and I think it was after, but I think it was after the transfiguration itself. They talked about erecting three tents. This. See that, that they question? talked about erecting three tents. Yes, one for one for each. Um. To me now, and and again, this is sort of how I thought about all this, um, is that oftentimes, wherever God was present in a special way, and you think of um, Moses up on the mountain and all those things, that that people wanted to show their gratitude, first of all, Mm -hmm. but also their belief, and to, to keep remembering it with a place would erect something right. to remember that place. Right. And so obviously it seems kind of what they would want to do yeah. is they, they'd want to erect the three, um, three tents. tents, whatever it was. I'm yeah. not even sure exactly what it would have looked like right. in their minds. It is never it, happened. So. Is it kind of like us erecting statues to remember a an event sure it's kind of that type of or thing. or churches or chapels sure, sure sure and of course in that time uh the tent is where the tabernacle or the no, the ark of the covenant yeah not the tabernacle at the time the ark was kept in yep. a rather large tent i'm sure but which became the temple later um so the tents are kind of harken back to uh more old testament times absolutely but that's what they knew sure so that's what they did okay um, so how does the transfiguration connect us to connect to the Eucharist? Cause I know that there are connections here. Yes. So, and it is the Eucharistic revival. So I wanted to talk yeah, about this part especially. Yeah. 
You know, first of all, just the nourishment and the deepening of faith that would have happened for uh, Peter, James, and John at the Transfiguration. That's also, and, and Jesus being there and the Father being present there, um, it's like, in a sense, the event of the Transfiguration is 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 happening on a regular basis through our liturgy, through yeah. the Eucharist, through the Mass that we have so often. So um, it's a continuation, but it's more. Yeah. And it's it's a bigger thing. Yeah. Uh, so that that part of it and, and the nourishment of faith that happened there is something that happens in our Eucharist for yeah. us, which to me is really important. And then to be fed on the bread of life, the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Also, trans, you know, the transfiguration was a change in the, what, the appearance of Jesus. Well, um, there's a change in the Eucharist from the bread and the wine in transfiguration, mm -hmm. to, or transubstantiation, right. I mean, uh, into the, the real full presence and body and blood of Christ. Yeah. So, so a kind of, there's a real deep relationship between transfiguration and, and the uh, transubstantiation right. of the Eucharist, I right. think. I love how you refer to the nourishment. I hadn't ever thought about that for the three apostles that were there. It really, they needed that, that occurrence to nourish them through the next uh, events that were about to happen. Um, and as you're saying that about uh, the connection between the, tra the transfiguration and transubstantiation, um, was Jesus kind of, you can kind of think of his divinity as hidden in his humanity. Yes. And there he's showing it. Yep. Whereas the divinity is hidden in the accidents of the uh, bread and wine. Sure, sure. So a lot Absol of connections there. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think this is the first time that the apostles knew that Jesus was divine? No, no. I, I think Peter, especially. Yeah, I, they they were wondering. They weren't sure, but <laughs> but you know, even when they'd see multiplication of the fish and and the cures of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus, that had to get their attention, yeah. and they had to begin to wonder. And then I think even maybe even before the transfiguration, Jesus gave some hints right. of who he was. Right. It, I'm not sure how how clear he was <laughs> to them or how he right. wanted to say that or show that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just an interest of mine. And think about how much Jesus would want them to understand yeah. and know. But even the gospel writers, they, they wrote the gospels to try to help people come into a deeper understanding of Jesus as Messiah right. and, and so on. So, um, no, that, that's been going on, but this was one of the significant steps along the way. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is really the church has developed so much of, I mean, the Trinity wasn't understood and Correct. It's still not Correct. fully understood. So, I mean, there's lots of things that over time the church has understood better so we can't expect those three men to just be like, oh, I get it. You're no, God. We're no. <laughs> and because it's so um, unnatural mm -hmm. to think that Jesus would be God, right. uh, it, it, it had to be a, 
a big step. But as, again, Jesus and the relational thing I've talked about, you know, the first thing is they had to have that relationship with Jesus before they would start to really understand who he was and what he did. And so, and then they have to spend time with him. And so that's all what's going on. Right. And actually the relationship thing, I'm glad you you, uh, touched on that right here because we have to be able to, to relate the transfiguration to our own lives. So I want to, if you can just talk a little bit about how we do that. There's, there's a couple of, um, I mentioned to you in my notes that the end of the transfiguration uh, reading is the phrase, rise and do not be afraid. It's one of my favorite passages, uh, little tiny passages in the Bible. So how do we relate the transfiguration to our own lives and especially that particular phrase? You know, I think, I'm thinking of, Paul in a couple of letters um, in Corinthians, in Romans, and so on, that there has to be a a change in us. Rise, as, as you said. So there, there, we are called to to grow and to be more than we are, and we, and it's not enough just to be fully human we have to have a relationship with with the divine as well and so i guess um i i guess i would just say that um this is a reminder and a call for us to be people who are growing and deepening our relationship with the father the relationship with the um with the Son Jesus through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit now, allowing them to be a part of that relationship in a deeper, deeper way, which will automatically cause us to grow and to change. And because we are kind of self-centered and selfish and sinful sometimes, (laughs) um, we focus too much on ourselves. And so therefore we need uh, the resurrection the of Jesus, we need the transfiguration of Jesus to pull us out of those that thinking and to say, Hey, um, I can be more and yeah. I can do more, uh, in my with my connection with the power of the Holy Spirit through my prayer and so on, changes me and makes me more into what God always wanted, but but more than I'd ever find by myself, yeah. And we should not be afraid. As we're doing that, Jesus is with us, and and He's able to deal with our frailties <laughs> and our sins and our mistakes. I cannot even begin to understand how He can put up with us, <laughs> but He does. Yes, and He loves us, and He's merciful, and He cares for us always. Yeah. So, uh, all of that is so helpful, yeah. and so. Uh, don't look so much, don't think so much about yourself, but think about others. Yep. Think about your relationship with God, uh, with the Father, the Son, through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Go transfigure your life. And then see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> see yeah. what happens. All right, uh, Bishop, we are out of time. I really appreciate you being here with me today. Thank you so much. All right, uh, if you haven't found us on social media yet, you can always find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at YouTube at SF Diocese. And of course, you can get uh, information about the diocese at sfcatholic.org. That's it for us today. Join us again next week for more Catholic.